Welcome to Wednesday night's Bible study. I'm glad that you joined us. And tonight, our teacher is my father-in-law and good friend, um, Rath Lee Robbins. And so he's going to be teaching, and I'm the one this week that is just coming up with knee-jerk reactions to what he's saying. So I haven't really studied what he's covering. Um, well, I guess way in the past I've discovered, but not recently. <laughs> exactly. Not recently studied what you're covering. So I'm looking forward to what you have for us. So here we go. Uh, if you will, uh, today we're going to take a little study into one of the major prophets. Hmm. As you know, we have four of them. We have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Today I want us to look at Daniel. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, okay. verse 1, and we'll begin there in just a minute. And I'm going to put Philip on the spot here just in the very beginning. Philip, <laughs> when you hear the word Daniel, what comes to mind? What's the first thought that enters your mind? Faithful. Faithful. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. That's what I would expect from a pastor. Okay. <laughs> I have surveyed some of my friends and stuff, and what their responses have been is the, the number one is Daniel in the lion's den. That's oh. what pops into their mind. So you were thinking more story. I was thinking more of the storyline. And that's yeah. okay. You think about that for a second. You can give me a second response, okay? Yeah. The second thing that was very common was the fiery furnace, Daniel and his friends. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, Daniel was not a part of that, but his three friends were. And then the third thing that came out was prophecy and visions, Daniel hmm. doing the interpretation of those. Yeah. So now I'm going to swing back to film and say, now in that context, what's the first thing that came to your mind? Um, actually, Daniel and the lion's den. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Exactly. Now, this is not part of the lesson, but I'll just throw this in as a little nugget on the side. Daniel and the lion's den, if, you know, when I was in Sunday school, they would give us a coloring thing, which showed Daniel and the lions in the background. Right. Daniel was always a young man. Right. Well, Daniel, in, as I studied, as I've read and I've done that, Daniel was not a young man when he went in the lion's den. No. In fact, he was probably in his early 80s. Mm -hmm. That's just a tidbit for you there. But if you will, let's turn, let's go into Daniel, and we're going to look at chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 1. And the word of God says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Let's stop right there for just a second. Let me give you just a little bit of background. The kings of Israel started way back in about 1050. Don't hold me to these exact dates. But they wanted a king. They asked God for a king. King granted their wishes and gave them King Saul. Now, why they wanted that, we don't know, because they had the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. They had the creator of the universe, but yet they wanted the king because everybody around them had a king. Right. So he gave them king, King Saul. And then our second king was King David. King David. David came in. And then the third king was Solomon. King Solomon. Now, I'm putting him on the spot here and see if we want to trip him up today. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, King Solomon. Now, at the end of Solomon's reign, there was a division within the country of Israel. There was an issue on taxes. Surprisingly, it still issues today. 2,500 years later, we have divisions on taxes. That was one of the divisions. There were others. But it separated into two kingdoms. The southern kingdom became called Judah. It was primarily the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. The other 10 tribes composed the, the northern king. Now, they had a series of kings. Northern kingdom had a series of kings about 19 or 20 for about 200 years. There was not one single king that was a good king. 
fact, if you go back to Kings and Chronicles, you'll find out they all did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, the southern kingdom was just a little bit different. They had about 19 to 20 kings as well, and about 20, 40% of theirs or eight of their kings were considered good. The other ones were evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, now God told Isaiah, in fact, you don't have to go there, but I'm going to go back to Isaiah 39 whenever King, <clears throat> excuse me, King Hezekiah was there. This is what God's word said. It says, At the time of Merodach, Baladim, the son of Baladim, king of Babylon, sent envoys, envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and had recovered. And Hezekiah welcomed them gladly, and he showed them his treasure throne, house. He showed him the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his whole armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show him. He exposed everything to this pagan country of Babylon, the representatives there. So then Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he came to Hezekiah and talked and asked him these questions. He says, why did these men say? And from where did they come to you, Hezekiah said? They have come to me from a far country from Babylon. He said, what have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Isaiah came back in verse 5 and said, Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of of the king of Babylon. Listen to Hezekiah's response to this. Hmm. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good, for he thought there will be peace and security in my days. Mm -hmm. How wrong, much wrong could he have been? Right. A hundred years later now, we're in Daniel. And we see that in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, okay, and by the way, Jehoiakim was one that did evil in the sight of the Lord. If you go back to Kings, you will find that. The last good king they had was Josiah, which is Jehoiakim's father, okay? And so that was the last, and he, Josiah, just another bit of history, Josiah restored a lot of the temple practices and the worship practices mm -hmm. that had been lost by the wayside. Right. So he brought things back to quote, normal, okay? Now, Daniel was born during the reign of Josiah, so that might give you a little insight into what we're getting ready to talk about here in just a minute. Verse 2 says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, and some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, which is another word for Babylon, to the house of his God, little g, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God, little g. So you see the prophecy of Isaiah a hundred years before is coming to fruition yeah. right here through this, okay? Even with the vessels taken. Now, one of the things you might want to note that back in that time, when you conquered somebody and you took their valuables and you brought them, you would put them in your house, your temple, or whatever you want to call it, to your God. And that basically showed that your God was greater than the God of the one that you conquered. Right. Again, how much further wrong could we be? And yeah. again, we'll see that here in just a few minutes as well. 
So then let's move on down to verse 3. It says, Then the king commanded Aspenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. So here we see the king. Now the king went back. There was an issue. We won't talk a lot about that. But his father had died and he went back to go through the official coronation to become the king. Okay. <laughs> While he was there, he told his chief, he said, I want you to go around. I want you to find the brightest, the sharpest. These will be the kids that were in the honors programs or whatever of that day. And the fact that he said they were of royal and nobles, they were probably the ones that were getting the education back in that day. Because sure. everybody didn't get it. Okay, sure. uh, Most of the Jewish people, the Hebrews, they were not well educated except for the upper class. So they went around and they tried to find the young people. Now when I say the young people... What most people think is these are teenagers, mm -hmm. probably in that 14 to 17-year-old range is probably what we're talking about here. And they were to take them, the ones that appeared good, they couldn't have any blemishes, so they had to look good, they had to be smart, they had to have wisdom, they had to be capable. Now, you know, I've had three teenagers. I love each one of them, okay? Uh, but uh, I don't know how well they would have measured up to this, but that's okay. We're going to talk about that. I want you all to think about the teenagers you've had or been around, because we're going to talk about that here in just a second as well. But they were the ones that were stood out. And so they captured them, they took them, took them into exile, and they took them to Babylon. Now in verse 5, it says, The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. So here the king is going to treat them almost like royalty. Right. He's going to care for their every need. Okay. He's going to give them his food, which was probably some of the best in the land, if not the best. He was going to give them wine to drink, which was probably some of the best, if not the best in the land. And they were going to be taken care of. For three years, they were going to be educated. Now, Bill, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What do you think this education that he was going to give them was to accomplish? He was trying to get them to forget all of their traditions from where they came from, mm -hmm. and he was trying to um, incorporate them into Babylon's reign. Mm -hmm. uh, Babylon's realm. Mm -hmm. What's on one word that would describe that? It starts with a B. Starts with a B? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Has clothes washing at the end of it. Clothes washing? Brainwashing? Brainwashing. That's exactly yeah. right. He was trying yeah. to brainwash them into the Babylonian culture. He was yeah. wanting to take all the culture that they had and do away with it. Now, you know, guys, I asked you to think about the teenagers you were talking about before. Think about those teenagers, 14, 15-year-olds. Very impressionable. Very opinionated at times, but very impressionable. Right. So that would have been a good age group to bring and just say, okay, throw out everything you know, and this is what I want you to believe in. Yeah. I've got some teenagers in my grandchildren right now, and I won't say they're very gullible, but they believe basically everything I tell them. If I was <laughs> a non-truthful person, and I just told them things that would be, you know, whatever, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, Papa, I, I understand that. I agree with you on that. But that age group can be very impressionable. Sure. Sure, and especially if you've been taken away from your family, your friends, your culture into a foreign land. Mm-hmm. You could be very impressionable. It happens when people go to college. Absolutely. They're not even in a foreign land. Absolutely. Yeah. We lose a lot of our young people in their college experience yep. as far as their faithfulness to God mm -hmm. because they're exposed to the world and they don't have those solid roots of home and friends 
to keep him on the straight and narrow right. sometimes. Yeah. But again, that's another issue. That's another lesson for another day. Yes. Okay. So here he is. He said they assigned him to meet. Okay. They were going to educate them for three years. And then down in verse six, we see among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. These were four of the ones that were taken. Now, I'm sure there were many others that were taken. I don't know how many. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm sure it was fairly a fairly large group that in all likelihood was taken. And it says, And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. The first thing they did when they took him into exile was change their name. Now, why did they do that? Well, their Hebrew name was associated, the meaning of those names were associated with the God that they served, the true God, the one God. Well, that was also true of the Babylonians' name. Right. They were basically based off or had meanings associated with their gods, which they had many. Uh, one of these was a, had to do with the moon god. In fact, if you look at David, you will find, excuse me, at Daniel, his name meant to God is my judge. But his Babylonian name was O Lady, and in parentheses, wife of the god Baal, protect the king. Mm -hmm. And that was true of each one of them. They were all given names for that culture to be, you know, to yeah. that was that started that brainwashing that we were yeah. talking about. So the other three are names of their moon god. So he was, yeah, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting. So. But well, they started teaching there, sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> we can co-teach. I have no problem with that whatsoever, okay? Yeah. All right, let's go to verse 8. And here I'm going to use a couple translations, okay? This is the one I'm using, which is ESV. It says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. Other translations, in fact, it's about 50-50, uh, says he purposed in his heart not to defile. Now, I purposely, I, 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 I prefer the purpose in his heart for me. But I think they're interchangeable, and Philip can might tell you the Greek behind it if he wants to do that, okay? But anyway, he resolved or purposed in his heart that he would not devile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Let's stop right there for just a second. Why do we think he did that? I'm going to let Philip think about that for a second. I'm going to give you a couple of three thoughts, and he can add something on top of it. Will you? First of all, the food and the wine that they were given, it was the king's food and wine. Right. Okay. So it had probably been blessed by other gods and idols. Mm -hmm. It had probably, you know, had something to do with their gods, their little G's. So it was there. Also, they didn't have the issue with uh, meat that the Hebrews did, mm -hmm. especially pork. Right. Okay. So they don't know. Daniel and them didn't know what had been mixed there. Okay. So that could have been out. Also, they did not want to fall in a trap to the false gods and teachings of the king and his court. This was another way of just slowly brainwashing them with yeah. that which they needed, which was food and drink. So that I, that could be it. I don't know if you've got anything else you want to interject there, Philip. Um, one, those are those are reasons that we believe that they could have possibly had problems with it. I think it's more the dietary uh, pork yep. issues. Yep. Because what they are going to eat was actually all also offered to the same idols. Going, yep. So that can't really be a reason. So it must have been something to do with pork, but not only not only just pork, but even beef. If it wasn't prepared correctly, mm -hmm. kosher, if mm -hmm. you will, yep. um, then they couldn't eat that. And so it went from 
you changed our name. So we'll put up with that. There's no command that we can't have a different name right. in scripture. But there is a command to concerning what we can eat and what we cannot eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the line for Daniel. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can't cross this line. You can change my name, but I can't cross this line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because all that's out there, I'm going to move my notes because he's obviously looking at them. Oh, okay. so, No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just kidding. But anyway, let's go back here to verse 8. It says, you know, that he resolved the purpose of his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine they drink. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave. Remember that. And God gave. Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chiefs of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned you food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king? Now I admire Daniel at such a tender age. He went to the chief of the eunuchs. He went through the pecking order correctly. Mm-hmm. That shows maturity, in my opinion, sure. on Daniel. Instead of throwing a fit, having a pitter party, or yelling and screaming, which I have seen some do, not just teenagers, right. okay, when things don't go your way. But anyway, he went to the chiefs of the eunuchs, and when he did, God gave Daniel favor and compassion. Do you see the hand of God in Daniel's life? Even though he's been taken away from family and friends, he's in exile. He's really part of the judgment against the nation of Judah that had been foretold by multiple, by Isaiah, Jeremiah, and other prophets. He's a victim of that, but yet he still is faithful. The word you used a while ago. He's trusting in God. He's going about it correctly in his confrontation with the chief eunuch, and God is giving him favor and compassion. So, you know, the the, the eunuch, the chief eunuch could have said, okay, I'm through with this one, killed him right there on the spot, done away with him, mm-hmm. brought the next one in. Or could have punished him, ignored him, put him in chains, whipped him. We don't know what all could have taken place. Right. But God intervened in that moment and allowed Daniel to have a conversation with the chief eunuch. Now, the chief eunuch says, well, Daniel, I appreciate what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but... Okay, there's always a but in the world in which we live in today. He said, but, you know, if I do allow you to do that and it doesn't work out well and you don't look as good as the rest of them do, you look a little puny and poor, then it's my head that's going to roll down the steps, Mm -hmm. not necessarily yours. So, you know, but again, but look what happens in verse 11. It says, then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over the four of these, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in that matter and tested them for 10 days. Now here is a person that's underneath the chief eunuch. He is the steward. He is in charge of these four. Daniel has a conversation with him after he's talked to the chief steward, and he says, listen, just let us have 10 days. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you, Philip, but in 10 days, if I change my diet very much, it's not going to change my appearance a whole lot, okay? (laughs) I don't think I'm going to look now. Maybe 30 days, yes, but 10 days, I question that. But in 10 days, that's all Daniel asked for. And the steward said, okay, we'll do that. And Daniel says, you know, if whatever it is, whatever happens after that, then you decide. Daniel, again, 
gives him. He said, just let us try it. If you don't like it, we back off. Well, in verse 15, it says, at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance, fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but in my mind, again, God is intervening here. Mm -hmm. He is allowing them to appear that way. Now, whether they did or whether it was just in the eyes of the steward, I can't answer that. Right. But whatever it was, there was either a physical or an appearance in that mind that things had improved. They definitely had not got worse. So they were level. And in his case, he said they were better. Well, you know, if you, if you have a group of people that are drinking alcohol mm -hmm. a lot and are being gluttonous for 10 days, it takes a toll on their body and the way that they look whether it's recovering from what they drank the night before mm -hmm. or it's recovering from all that food inside of them. Mm -hmm. So it could be that Daniel and them remained the same and everybody else was going down because of what they were eating. They could that looked, could be. They could easily have looked flushed. Right, exactly. You know, and they could have been gluttonous in the food or the alcohol, either right. one. So you know, they, they may have not had a tolerance for it. Yes, absolutely. So, that could so it could actually have been an appearance Legitimate appearance, right? And so, but anyway, I do. You know, I, I am convinced. Both are, both are fine. Both I'm are not, fine. I'm not saying and I that. Made, I think God is in both of them. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, not arguing at all. Oh no, no, absolutely yeah. not. So in verse 16, we see that he took away the food, he took away the wine that they were drinking, and gave them the vegetables or the meal that they had asked for. Mm -hmm. Now in verse 17, we're going to jump ahead a little bit because he says, "As for these four youths, God gave them learning." and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Again, you see that God gave them. God is working in their lives, even in their circumstances of where they are. He is blessing them. He is also preparing them, and he is equipping them for the work that he has ahead of them. So here he is. He's doing that. He gave them all just the, the ability to absorb what was given to them as far as the culture, the teachers, the wisdom, and all that. They soaked it in. They embraced it. They understood it. And in Daniel's case, he gave him a little extra treat or a little extra uh, skill set, which was the understanding of visions and dreams. Hmm. So this took place for three years. In verse 18, it says, At the end of the time, which is the three years, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. It was time, it was final, it was the final report card, the final test, the end of the year exam, whatever you want to call it, it was getting ready to take place. It says, And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none, none, was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They stood out. It says, therefore, they stood before the king and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. So here they went before the king. Now, I don't know this, and Philip, you don't, I don't know if you do or not, but I sense that King Nebuchadnezzar was a smart man. I think he was an intelligent man. So when he went through an inquisition of these four men, I don't think he just asked them, how's the day? Is it sunny outside? You know, this. I think there were some in-depth questions that were being asked to see if they really understood or knew sure. stuff for that three years of training day. So I think they were grilled pretty, deep, pretty well to see. But these four guys, they excelled in all areas. 
-hmm. Now, a lot of our kids today, teenagers and, and adults, you know, we may excel in one or two things, but we don't excel in all disciplines. Right. These guys excelled in everything. And again, it's because God gave them the learning and the skill back in verse 17. He mm -hmm. equipped them and prepared them for this day and for this time. Yeah. And so he said he found them 10 times better. Now, this... Ten times better than not just the group that came from the exiles, right. but it says right there, all the magicians, and all of his existing of and current staff, yeah. they excel them. These were people that had been in this position probably for years, much older, yeah. thought to be much wiser, mm -hmm. but yet, no. So when God equips us for the path that he wants us to take, he doesn't do it half-heartedly. He gives us exactly what we need to do the task and the job that he lays out and has before us. Sure. And in your case, to be a pastor, he equipped you to be a pastor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, those of us that would do other things, he has equipped us maybe to teach, maybe to be a father, a mother, a, a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader, whatever it is, God gives us that equip to do it. And in many cases, he equips you years before he presents you the opportunity. And you don't understand, well, why in the world do I need to do this? Why do I need to go here? Why do I need to learn this? Well, it's all part of God's plan. We just need to be faithful, trust, and obey. Yeah. So it comes down here at the end of it. It says, and Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel never went back to Jerusalem. Daniel was in Babylon. In fact, he was there during the whole empire of Babylon from the beginning to the end. Because Cyrus here, he is a leader of the Medo-Persians, which are the ones that conquered the yes. Babylonians at the mm -hmm. end, which is about 70 years later. Mm -hmm. So in summary, I'm going to close it up right here as we get through with this. Uh, a couple things I just want to share with you and challenge you in the end here. It says, what can we say about Daniel just here from chapter 1? Well, a couple things I've got here, and I'll let Phil add if he, if he wants to, is first of all, Daniel knew the Lord, mm -hmm. the true God. He knew the true God. Daniel also committed his heart and himself to the true God, no matter what his circumstances, what right. he was in. You know, he got up one day and life was good. He's probably going to go play with his friends. I don't think they did video games, but you know, whatever it was, the, the play of the day, he may have done that. And all of a sudden, here come the Babylonians. Right. He was taken out of his environment. His joy and his peace was gone temporarily, okay? And he was taken away to another country, to another land. But Daniel stayed true to his God. Yep. Also, we see that Daniel was trusted. He trusted and obeyed his God. Now, if you read the rest of Daniel, you'll find that that trust and obedience lasted throughout Daniel's life. And Daniel was in a lot of hard circumstances, a lot of life-threatening circumstances. But he stayed faithful and true and trusted and obeyed. You've heard the term, and I'm sure you have too, Phil, dare to be a Daniel. Yeah. I thought about that when I was preparing this. I said, what does that mean? Let me give you some of my thoughts here. First of all, it means your faith is strong. From the day you, you have your faith, it is strong throughout. It also says that you're going to be faithful in all things and circumstances, no matter what. Hmm. A third thing I thought of was blind trust in tough times. And that blind tough trust would be in God. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times God doesn't show us the answer. He didn't always show us the next step until it's time for it. Sure. But yet we have to have that blind trust knowing that he's in charge, he's in control, and his way is perfect for us. And then prayer. We didn't touch on the prayer here, but Daniel had several prayers in the book of Daniel. 
and he prayed constantly. One of his one of his times of prayers got him into the lion's den, was from the principle for that. So as a result, but he was a man of prayer, and he always gave God the thanks for answered prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel was a humble individual. He knew God was in him, working through him, and it was all God. It was not Daniel. Daniel was just a servant that happened to be used by God during this time. And for the last two thoughts here, the last one is, next to the last one says, you can live in the world and have an impact for God without being of the world. Sure. And I think we need to remember that and be mindful of that. Daniel served with multiple kings and kingdoms, but yet he was still faithful to the true God of the true kingdom. Mm-hmm. He did not waver. But yet he, I mean, he was in administration for 70 years. Right. Okay, but yet he was faithful to God mm-hmm. and did not waver, did not compromise on what he knew to be right. But yet he could, and you know, if you go through the book of Daniel, you will find that the witness that he was changed the hearts of a lot of people right. around him, one being King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And then the final thought, and I'll let Philip wrap it up here, is <clears throat> have you purposed in your heart to serve God? If you have, I hope you've been faithful to it, and I hope you will be faithful to it each and every day of your life until he comes for you or brings you home. If not, I want to challenge you, start today. Make that commitment that Daniel did that he purposed in his heart not to defile. Do that today. Start that today and live that for the rest of your life again until he comes for you and takes you home. That's my final thoughts. Let's yeah. you wrap it up here, Philip. Sure. So um, just a couple of things as you were teaching, I was just kind of thinking about while listening to you. Mm-hmm. One is um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, they had a leg up because of their parents. Absolutely. Um, they, Their names tied directly into Yahweh and El. Mm-hmm. So their parents must have been solid people of faith that passed that on to their children. Mm-hmm. Um now, there has to be two responses. The parents can pass it on, but the children can't be receptive. But these children were receptive. They made it a part of their life. And then when they are out of pocket, away from home, somewhere else, where they could do anything they wanted to, they went back to that teaching and held on to that faith. And that's that's pretty significant. So their parents gave them a leg up. I think that's, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned the... Um, the articles in the uh, temple that yes. was taken, right? Some of them, yes. What I what I think is interesting about all books, but especially this one, is how he sets up other things in in the book mm-hmm. based on his introduction. And so we're going to see those again. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually whereas this was a victory for them, later it's their downfall. Absolutely. Because there's a a hand that comes and writes, and you'll just have to read read that on your own. Check out Belteshazzar. That's right. Okay, and what happened to him at his banquet. And that reminds me of one final thing. I'll just say, you know, in all this, one thing we got to remember it with Daniel and with ourselves, God knew Daniel before Daniel knew God. Right. God knows us before we know him. But when the two get together, oh, what a story there is. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Um... I, I guess that's it, unless you have something else you want to share. 
Well, I've got a lot more to share, but we don't have time, okay? I would, <laughs> I would love to cover the whole book of Daniel, but that's going to take a series uh, that we don't have time to do today. Yeah. But I thank you for your attention, and uh, have a great day, and I'll let Philip close. All right, grace and peace. We'll see you next week. Keep us far from our vices and-